Would you please open your Bibles to Exodus 4? Exodus 4, verses 10 to 17. And as you're flipping to that, I'll be saying a couple words. One, that I've been doing a sermon series, a mini-series through Exodus at the River of Life. And this is my last sermon that I'll be doing through Exodus. And for especially a congregation as you are, who haven't been through us, been through with us, sermon by sermon, kind of uh, knowing the background, knowing the, where we've come from, and so we know where we are. I will just give a brief little summary of what I think is really important for us to really have in our minds as we read our passage this morning. One is that Moses is a doubter. Moses is a doubter, even though God has given him very many reasons to trust in him and trust in the task that he has sent him on. The task being go to Israel, go to Pharaoh and bring this message of rescue from the bondage of their slavery. And this is the task that God has sent Moses on. And sometimes Moses says, okay, yep, I get it. But then most other times he says, but God, what about this? God, what about that? There is some insurmountable issue that we cannot get over. One thing that I really want us to, to, to have in mind as you read this passage is this one part where Moses is being told what he's to do, and then he responds to God, who am I? Who am I? How do I have the capabilities to do this task that you're sending me on? And isn't there so much danger in it? And God's response to him is, I will be with you. It doesn't really matter who you are, Moses. I will be with you. God is with him. So Moses has already been given that massive confidence from the Lord that he is with him. And yet Moses still doubts. And so we will read from verse 10 to verse 17. Exodus 4, verse 10 to 17. But Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore, go, and I will be with your mouth, and I will teach you what you shall speak. But he said, Oh my Lord, please send someone else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses and said, Is there not... An Sorry, I will start over. Verse 14. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you, and when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth, and I will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people, and, you shall be, and he shall be your mouth, and you shall be as God to him. And take in your hand this staff, with which you shall do the signs. Thus far, the reading of God's holy word, may he add a rich measure of blessing to it. As many of you know, I am a student. I am a student at seminary, preparing to be a pastor, being trained to be a pastor, a counselor, a shepherd, whatever you might say. And part of my schooling, you could say, is to develop gifts within me, um, to train me in how to preach, train me in how to counsel people. Um, 
But the, the basics of it is they're building in me certain abilities, gifts, talents that will serve me well in my work as a pastor, Lord willing. And there's a danger to that. As needed, of course, to develop gifts, to develop talents. But there is a danger when we are developing gifts within ourselves to think that it's all about the gifts that we have, the talents that we have, the things that we can do that is perhaps better than the things that other people can do. And so there's a danger in thinking that the task that God has sent us on, the success or the failure of that task depends on what can Eric do? What can any one of you do? And this is the attitude that I think many of us have also when we go into the world following the command of God, of the command of Christ to go out into the nations, to profess this also rest, this message of rescue from the bondage of sin to the world. That we tend to think it's about, do I have the right giftings for this? Do I have the right talents for this? And if I don't, maybe this commission isn't for me. Maybe this task isn't really for me. And so we disobey. If you got the gift, great. You're going to do it. But if you don't got the gift, oh well, somebody else will do it. Our passage this afternoon stops this attitude. Because it needs to be stopped. Because this attitude is wrong. The success of our task does not depend on our giftings. It does not depend on our talents. It is wrong and has totally the wrong perspective. And to be honest, it's rebellious. And so this passage is important for us because it tells us how to live obediently. It tells us how to take the task that God has given to us and to then do it obediently. Not letting our doubts drive us to disobedience. And so our passage highlights a rebellious perspective, Moses's, highlights then our own rebellious perspective, and then seeks to correct it. And so that we know that we have full confidence as we go out on the task that God has sent us on, knowing that, it is, that the success of our task rests completely on God. And that's the message of, that's the title of the message of, for this afternoon, that the success of the task that God has sent us on rests with God alone. We'll be going through a number of things. First, we'll be looking at Moses' doubt, particularly, and then we'll be looking at God's response to the, to the doubt and the disobedience of Moses, and then we'll be looking at God's answer to his doubt, answers to our doubt, right? Because as we're going through, let's try really hard to see ourselves as well. As Moses doubts, that we see our doubts. As Moses disobeys, let's see how we disobey as well. And so let's dive in, verse 10. But Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. We have been here before. And what I mean by that is that, God, that Moses has already doubted big time in the plan that God has for him and the ability for God to actually fulfill his plan through him. In the passage before us, in the section before us, Moses blames his, his doubt, his disobedience, because he says, oh, my audience won't believe me. Israel, Pharaoh, they won't believe me. Right? So God, maybe just don't send me. It's not worth it. And so God gives him three miraculous signs to prove to Moses and then also to prove to Pharaoh and Israel, no, I did send Moses and I am true to my word and what I say will happen, will happen. And so great. 
Moses should have every confidence and now go. God has given him confidence. But now he doubts himself. Now he looks at himself and he says, God, I can't speak well. And in case you haven't noticed, I still can't speak well, even though we've been having this chat at the burning bush. God, you cannot overpower my inabilities. What are some things that you tell yourself? When you're in a coffee shop or you're with coworkers and you're humming and hawing about, okay, I could bring the gospel to somebody. I could bring this message of, of rescue from the bondage of their sin to them. What are the things that you tell yourself that you say, I'm not good in this area or in this area that drives you to actually disobey God's call for you to, act, to talk to that person? If you're like me, you would say similar things to Moses. I just don't have the words to say. I can't take the thoughts in my mind and to give them eloquently. I can't give them well. And so because I can't do that, I'm not even going to bother. Or maybe you think you don't know enough yet. Maybe you just think, I just don't know enough. I haven't had enough experience. And so, yeah, I can, sure, I can, get, I can tell somebody about Jesus and what he did to save them from their sins. But as soon as they ask me a question past that, I don't know what to say. And because I don't know enough, then I won't do it. Or perhaps you're in the line at the coffee shop and you think, oh, there's just not enough time. Not enough time to poke that person on the shoulder and be like, hey, do you know Jesus? There's not enough time for me to convince them that, that they can be rescued from their sins. God stops Moses in his tracks. And God stops you in your tracks when you give these doubts to yourself, when I give these doubts to myself. Because we've all done it. But God says to Moses, look at this again. Verse 11. Moses, who made your mouth? Moses, who allows you to either speak well or not speak well? Do you not think that I knew that you couldn't speak that well when I chose you? And us today, do we not know that God knows our inabilities when he told each and every one of us to go, to do the task that he has called us to? That he is the one that gives time. He is the one that can do anything in a blink, in a twinkling of an eye. That he is the one who gives you the words to speak. That he is the one that teaches you the things you need to say. That he is with your mouth. And that he is with your mouth. That he is with you as you go, giving you the words to say, teaching you the things to speak. So Moses stops God, Moses in his tracks and he stops us in the tracks. And he says, is it not I, the Lord? And notice that this Lord is in all capitals. Right? This, the covenantal name of God. I am who I am. I am the almighty God who isn't stopped by your inabilities, who isn't stopped by your inadequacies, but I can work through the weak and the foolish things of this world to shame the strong and to shame the wise. I am the I am who I am, but also by this name, I am your God, meaning that I am with you, meaning that I will be with you. So as we go, God is with us, working through us. And so now we get to this being Moses' problem. That Moses' problem is not that he thinks too low of himself. Our problem is not that we sometimes think too low of ourselves, of our capabilities. Because do you think it would really be okay if Moses said, you're right, God, you got the right man, I got all the talents in the world for this task. 
No, that would still be a problem. Because he's still self-focused. He still thinks the success, that failure, that the success rides on him. Rides on his abilities. That as he goes to Israel, and then if he was eloquent, if he was, then yeah, it would be a success because Moses is eloquent. He doesn't trust that God is the one that actually works through him. That regardless if he's eloquent or not, that it is still God who works with him. And you, we can see this very clearly when, he talks, when God talks about Aaron in verse 14. Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. By God's own omission, Aaron is eloquent. And yet, what does it say? I will be with your mouth, and I will be with his mouth, and I will teach you both what to do. So whether you have gifts or not, God works in you the same way. Both Aaron and Moses, one eloquent, one not eloquent, God works the same way through both of them. I am with both of your mouths, and I will teach you both what to say. Because obedience to God's command isn't when we realize that we have all the giftings and the talents in the world for the task that he sent us on. No, obedience comes when we realize that regardless of if we have talents or not, that it rests with God, that it is all God all the time, working with you, being with you. It's not about us. And again, this is the, ta- this is the problem, being self-focused, forgetting who God is and forgetting what he does through us. And so after, again, God assuring Moses that I am more powerful than your inadequacies, God says, go. Direct to the point. Forget about your doubts. Forget about your inadequacies. Trust me and go. But Moses doubts. But Moses still says, God, I know. I know it's not about me. I know you're more powerful than my inadequacies. But still, could you send somebody else? Don't send me. And so we see God's response to Moses' doubt. Response to Moses' disobedience. The anger of the Lord kindles against Moses. God's anger kindles against Moses, and he destroys Moses, and he finds somebody new. That's what, that's what maybe we would expect. That after so many doubts, so many moments of disobedience, God would just start over. All right, Moses, you don't want to do it? Fine, I'll give you the boot, and I'll use Aaron instead. But that's not what we read, because God, while he is angry against sin, while his anger kindles against disobedience, yours and mine too, God also has loving, gracious mercy. And so in response to his anger, God restrains his own anger by sending Aaron the Levite. Our test specifically says that Aaron is a Levite, the brother of Moses, but is a Levite. This is important because the Israelites reading this, hearing this, after all these events are happening, would realize that by this time, the tribe of Levi has become this tribe of priests, this tribe set aside by God to be the servants of God, to be the ones who make sacrifices for the people to God, this tribe of priests. So in a sense, we could say that in the face of God's anger, he sends a priest. In the face of God's anger against our disobedience, against our sin, did he not send a priest? 
a high priest, the great high priest, Jesus Christ, who came, lived a life of perfect obedience, of perfect trust and faith in his God, so that we can have confidence, that we can say, for our disobedience, Christ took the burning anger of God. For our sin and for our doubts, our continual doubts, Christ was consumed by the anger of God. So that now, as we, sadly, but truthfully, continue to doubt, if we put our faith in Christ, we don't have to fear this burning anger of God because the priest took it. Because the priest restrained it, not only restrained it, but satisfied the anger of God. So that we can continue on, continue being obedient, run to Christ, and know that we receive the love and mercy of God and not his anger. So God sends Aaron, this, this priest, this, this brother from the tribe of Levi, in order to be a spokesman. In order to be a spokesman. So that Aaron is as Moses' mouth and Moses is as God to Aaron. Meaning simply that as God gives Moses his things to say, Moses will say the things that Aaron needs to say. And then Aaron will say it to the people that it needs to be said to. And then God does one more thing. God's answer to their doubt is this last symbol of encouragement and this last symbol of the correct perspective that Moses needs to have. This last verse, he says, take in your hand this staff with which you shall do signs. Because if you remember the previous passage, if you remember the, the story, is that last doubt that Moses had, God gave him three miraculous signs to do, signs that he would perform through a staff, that Moses would be given the power to take a staff, throw it on the ground, it would become a serpent, and then pick it back up, and it would become a staff again. All right, so this staff in Moses' hand, as he goes out on this task that God is still using Moses for, he has a symbol of the power of God in him. Because Moses goes in the power of God. And not only that, but the staff symbolizes, of course, a shepherd's staff, a shepherd's crook symbolizes servanthood. A shepherd serves his sheep. A shepherd sure serves the ones that he, are, that he is called to lead, but he also serves the one who hires him in the first place. We read Psalm 23, so we can think immediately of our good shepherd. Jesus Christ, who not only was in the power of God being God himself, but he came to serve, not to be served. And he was obedient to the one who sent him. Obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And so we are called to go. We are called to go as servants of the Lord in the power of the Lord. Not trusting in our own gifts, not doubting our own inadequacies, but knowing that we go in the Lord's power as his servant, obeying his call to go, obeying his call to complete the task that he has sent us on. We are inadequate. That much is clear. But God isn't. And God says that he will be with us. Christ says that I will be with you until the end of the age. Christ says that the world will hate you, but he has overcome the world. 
Christ says that he will send his spirit to dwell within you. And that that spirit who dwells within you is greater than he who is in the world. The success is guaranteed. The success of the task that God has called us on, though we may be inadequate, which we are, the success is guaranteed because God is with you as you go. Because God is working his power through you. And of course, we look to that day when our task will be completed. That our task will be completed where we will put down our staves when Christ will come again and he will bring us to the place where he has prepared so that we can enjoy his success forevermore. We can enjoy the work that he did through us, despite us. To enjoy the work that he has planned from the beginning of time until the end of time. So go into all the world with kingdom hope unfurled. No other name has power to save but Jesus Christ the Lord. Let's pray. Our God and our Heavenly Father, thank you for being with us. God, that despite us, despite our failings, our inadequacies, the ways in which that we could never accomplish this task that you have sent us on, that you use us regardless of that. You use us and you assure us that success is guaranteed. God, and as we live our lives knowing and being confident and being comforted by that you, our God, our good shepherd, our I am who I am is with us. So God, we live in confidence to go out into the world to bring this, this message of rescue from the bondage of sin in Jesus Christ to all those around us, not doubting the time that we have, not doubting the knowledge or the lack of knowledge that we have, but trusting that you are more powerful than our inadequacies. God, and as we are about to witness a gracious and merciful sacrament, Lord, that you promised to little Ariana as well that you are with her, that you are her God, God, that you will guide her. God, that you will sustain her. God, and that you will do the impossible, something that Emma and I could never do. Bring her to yourself. Work in her a love and a trust for you. What a beautiful sacrament that this is, that you promise to Ariana that you will be with her that you will be her God. God, and through our failings as parents, as our, our attempts as parents, Lord, that you will work great things through that, Lord. God, I pray this comfort for everybody in this room as well, that we would go out into the world, into the tasks that you have sent us on, into the workplaces, into the, into the schoolyards, whatever it may be, Confident that you are with us as you, we go as your servants and we go in your power.
Lord, we pray this in your son's name alone. Amen.